Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Unified. You know, this is this is one of those values that Jesus seems to care a lot about. He spent so much time in his discourses here on earth explaining that it's actually by our by our love for one another that the world will know who Jesus is. It's through our unification, not being uniform, but being united, that the world will actually see who Jesus is. It, in our in our pursuit to show a world who Jesus is, it's that important that we love one another. And uh, so, as a as a church, you know, I, I I really think that this is one of those those ones that we have to key in on. I was thinking about. Uh, when I watched The Social Network, which is just like a, a documentary on social media, which is such a large part of people's lives these days. And it was just making mention that, uh, you know, the way that these companies make money, we are the product. And polarization actually kind of funds their, their product, so to speak, or their project, so to speak. And outside of social media, we can just go around at a world that is increasingly polarized. And just see the, the even greater need for unity. I kind of phrased it this way. This value of being unified just really means, you know, we're better together. A house divided cannot stand. And we see in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says these words. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus is spending all this time throughout his, his teaching as uh, during his ministry that he's like summarizing so much of, of the, the scriptures and the, the overall meta-narrative of scriptures. And he says, you know, all the laws and the prophets rest on these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he summarizes all of the things that have been written all throughout scripture with that. And a lot of theologians believe that this is the continuation of that thought. And he says, a new command I give you. It's the only time he utters these words. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. I think that we could really change the world. I think that we could make really big impact. It was a horse. That was amazing. I think we could make a really big impact on the world that we live in. If we pursued unity with all that we got. Hey Slate Church Online, uh, so glad to have you joining us here. Uh, maybe you're tuning in on Sunday, maybe you're tuning in on demand on Friday or Tuesday or Saturday or whenever. Uh, we are so glad to have you here joining us for uh, this talk, this message today. My name's Nate, if we haven't met before, I am the Discipleship and Growth Pastor here at Slate Church. Uh, and honestly, just like really thankful that you would be tuning in. We're so excited uh, and encouraged by the ways that God is working within our community. Right now, we're in the middle of a sermon series all about
about our values. Who are we? What do we value? How is the way that we want to go about being as a church? Not just as an institution, a slate church, but as an entire community, as a, as a community of believers interacting with the world around us. What is the way that we want to be uh, reflecting the values of Jesus and his kingdom? And today I have the privilege of getting to share with us around the value of unity. We are unified. That's what we're going to be talking about here today. We are unified. We are better together. A house divided cannot stand. I want to open up by reading from John, the book of John, chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. This is the part of Jesus's farewell discourse in the book of John. Basically, Jesus has been journeying with his disciples for years. He's been uh, proclaiming that this new kingdom has come. This new kingdom has come. Uh, and and he's, he's been showcasing that through miraculous healings and, and these different interactions and relationships and teachings with, and all these different things. And his disciples, his closest followers, have been tracking with him this whole time. And it gets to this point where he has this farewell discourse before he's about to go and be crucified, to actually die and then rise again to save us from our sins and to defeat death. Before all of that happens, he has this farewell discourse, this talk uh, with his disciples. And this is an excerpt from that talk. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity to unpack your scriptures and your words here today, Lord God. I pray that you would just speak through me, your Holy Spirit stirring inside of me right now, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would just be working in the hearts and minds of every single person tuning in, Lord God, that your scriptures and your words, Lord, would actually just connect with our minds, with our souls, with our spirits, uh, with our intellect, with our emotions, with our whole being today, Lord God, and that we would just be challenged and spurred into a deeper relationship with you. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen love one another. Honestly, I think this command can kind of like on first glance, on first look, it's like, this kind of sounds like sunshines and, and rainbows. This sounds like a good time. You know, maybe the church is just kind of like some sort of happy hippie commune. Uh, I don't know. We're all just like eating kale and loving and like giving high fives and there's like beads or something. I don't know. Like, I'm not totally sure what this is all about, but love one another. This sounds pretty chill. But I'll put forward that loving one another is actually a pretty intense, a pretty challenging, a pretty hard command for us to follow. I don't know about you, uh, but I'm married uh, happily, uh, despite what this story is about to be, happily married. Uh, I'm married. Maybe you're married. Maybe you have roommates. Uh, maybe you live with your parents. I don't know what your situation is. But if you've ever lived with somebody else, you know how hard it is to love someone when they put the bowls in the dishwasher the wrong way. Like when it's 9 p.m. and the dishwasher's finished and you're trying to put stuff away and you pull out a bowl and you see that it's still caked with grime and you have to sit there and scrub it and clean it out because somebody else loaded the dishwasher wrong, you know how hard it is to love somebody else. Obviously, I'm kidding a little bit here, but the reality is when push comes to shove, when we're actually living life with people, when we're in the trenches relationally, when we meet people who are different than us with different perspectives, it can be really hard to actually maintain this command of loving one another. 
if we are forced to love people who uh, look different than us, who have different opinions, different backgrounds, different upbringings, I think a lot of us need to admit and know that this can be really, really hard. It's hard when someone at church has a different opinion on uh, wearing masks now that the mandates are lifted than us. It's hard when a family member is posting their, social, their opinions all over social media constantly and you feel like you want to mute them because it's just wearing you down and it's dragging you down and then you go and you see them at Thanksgiving and you're kind of starting to look at them different and it's hard to love one another. It's hard to love one another when the person experiencing homelessness at church steals your purse. It's hard to love one another when someone who's maybe a little more well-off than you or is making some different decisions in their life posts photos from what looks to be their eighth vacation this year and you're just sitting there stewing with jealous rage because you haven't seen sun in the last six months. It is hard to live out loving one another. It's a challenging thing, especially in the church and such a diverse community of different people from different backgrounds and different perspectives. And it's been hard since day one. Since Jesus, when he was walking the earth, called some backwoods, backcountry fishermen who were just getting by to come and follow him. When Jesus called a tax collector who was greedy and malicious and manipulated and took advantage of others to be one of his closest followers that he would build his church on. When Jesus invited a religious extremist, a violent zealot, to be a part of the group that he was investing in and that he was going to build his kingdom on. Since the very beginning of Christ's church, it has been a bunch of rabble. It has been a messy group of broken people who are being transformed by the power of Christ together day in and day out, being changed, but coming with their own baggage and their own brokenness. And this is actually the way that the church is meant to be. If we look around and our church is a little too comfortable, we probably have a problem. Because the church is meant to be a place where there's an uncomfortable mixing of ideas and people from different backgrounds, from different perspectives. We see in the book of Revelation that, 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 that in eternity, that, that, that the community of, of people, the believers, are going to be of every tribe and every tongue. We see that Jesus called people from all different walks of life. We see that he had relationship with people from all different walks of life. We see that God's kingdom is meant to be diverse, that Jesus' love and his message is for everyone. So by the nature of it, we're going to have a messy community. We're going to have a messy church. It makes loving one another so much harder, though, to be a part of a diverse church. This is actually something that's even true when it comes to whole countries and societies. It's interesting that in places like Canada and like the U.S. that are melting pot countries that are much more diverse with different people from different cultures all kind of settling in, it's actually often a lot harder to get social programs passed uh, for those who are, you know, maybe, um, uh, you know, social programs passed, like for, for people who are experiencing poverty or whatever that looks like. And what's interesting is that in countries where people are a lot more of the same uh, uh, of race and the same background and the same history, it's actually, you see, uh, uh, much more commonly, you see larger social programs. And there's a theory that this is because it's easier for people to support social programs and helping somebody else when that is uh, 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 something that is coming from 
uh, 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 somebody who has the same history and the same background as you. Whereas those programs are a lot less successful, they don't work quite as well, they're a lot harder to get past in countries where there is more diversity because diversity is hard. Common history, common background, common experiences, it builds a shared trust. And so to be a part of a diverse community, a different community, a bunch of people from all different walks of life in the church is going to come with some serious challenges. But I love it because we are called not to just be unified. We're called to be unified, but not to be uniform. We are unified, but not uniform. The body of Christ is not meant to look like a whole bunch of plastic cutouts of the kind of good Christian image that we project and think that other people want us to be or that we're supposed to look like. It's meant to be a raw and authentic community of different people from different backgrounds coming together and being transformed under one name, the name of Jesus. See, this community is for everyone, but it makes this command to love one another so much harder. And yet, it's not a command we can avoid. Here Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. A little bit later on in this uh, farewell discourse in the book of John, we see Jesus actually pray that, that the disciples, that his followers, that the, and those that follow them, the church, that they would actually have the same level of unity and love for one another as God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, the Trinity, God three in one, has for each other. They want us to have Trinity-level unity amongst ourselves. That is what Jesus prayed for. Not only that, but we see in Matthew 5.21, in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is sort of explaining some of his kingdom values and the core of his mission here on earth, he has this section on murder. He says this, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus is raising the bar. Not just you shall not murder, but if you're angry at a brother or sister, you will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says a brother to a brother or sister, raka, which is like kind of like cussing them out, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Wow. Not only this, but we see Paul in uh, Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 7 to 8, we see Paul writing about some of the lawsuits that are happening among the church, the early church. Believers actually suing one another in the public courts. And he's pushing back on this. And the bad witness and the bad example that is setting to the world around them. And he says this, The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? This really stood out to me. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated than to actually have disunity amongst believers? This is an incredibly high bar, an incredibly high standard. And honestly, I think for some of us who might hear this, be like, that's just overwhelming. I don't want to be wronged. I don't want to be cheated. 
I'm gonna get angry at people sometimes because this person just walked into church and I don't know, they, I don't know, said something offensive. I don't have a good example, but they made me mad. They made me upset. They put something in the chat I didn't like. I didn't like their comment on YouTube. They, they were rude to me. They disrespected me. They hurt me. I'm going to get angry. This is human. This is natural. And yes, it is. And yet it feels like we have this impossibly high bar and it just doesn't make sense. How could this crazy diverse community of all these different people from all these different walks of life ever try to live up to anything close to this standard of loving one another, of being united? And that is the good news here today because Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another as I have loved you. See, the crux and the core of our unity in the church is that Jesus has first loved us. See, he is setting an impossibly high standard because he knows that we can't do it in our own power. We can't do it by just trying to be good Christians all the time, by just showing up and trying to be more loving and be more forgiving and beating it into ourselves. He knows that the only way that we could actually achieve this standard is by supernatural power. See, I really believe that we are a part of a community. We are a part of a, a grubby bunch of people who have gathered together that make no sense with one another unless by the power of the Holy Spirit, unless by the love that we have first received from Jesus, unless by our surrender before Him in worship, our surrender before Him in reading His Word, our surrender before Him in our times of devotion, our surrender before Him in taking those moments of anger, those moments of frustration, those moments of being mad at somebody else or whatever that looks like and just giving it up to him, surrendering, 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 and receiving the overwhelming love that he has for us. Unless by his love for us, we can never achieve this. Unless by the power of the cross, the fact that we can have a relationship with God, the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, transforming us piece by piece, brick by brick, as we work and struggle through this life, we would not be able to achieve anything close to unity. That's the beauty of it. That's the wonderful beauty of it. This is why Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, forgiveness that you have for your neighbor. By this, inviting someone experiencing homelessness into community, friendship, fellowship, food, and family. By this, forgiveness of somebody who believes something radically different from you. By this, conservatives and liberals, Trudeau supporters and, 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 and uh, uh, tool supporters and whoever is going to be the new conservative leader supporters, uh, together, under one roof, breaking bread, having community, being connected and relational and loving each other deeply. By this, by a community that is willing to accept even the worst of our society, murderers and terrible people, and continue to show them the love of Jesus after they enter into that relationship with him. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By this, because with no other way does it make sense. The church is meant to be a place, a rowdy bunch of grubby rabble that only makes sense in God's kingdom, that only makes sense with his power, and because of that, we actually get to be salt and light to the world. 
this mission that Pastor Brandon just talked about, this idea that we are on mission to the world around us, that we are going to show them uh, 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 the love of Jesus. One of the primary ways that he does this, he says, he, they will know you by your unity. See, when we look at the scripture, it says, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This radical community that doesn't make sense, that defies our perceptions, that defies our boundaries, is actually the core and the crux of how the world will know who we are, who God has called us to be, and the relationship that we have with him by our unity. But how do we get here? What does this actually look like? I think the first and most important thing for us to actually live this out is to really go back to this phrase, as I have loved you. I think there's a few different elements to this. The first and most important still is to receive the love of Jesus. And we've talked about different ways that we practice receiving the love of Jesus throughout some of our recent series. You can go back to our Deeply Formed Life series. Look at practices of prayer, of fasting, of spending time in silence and solitude, of getting alone to a quiet place with God, of reading our Bibles, of reading the scripture, of learning and studying his goodness and his character and all of these things in this consistent showing up and surrendering of giving of our finances, of giving of our time and serving, of being consistent with coming to church. In all these different acts of surrender, we actually receive the love of God. We practice receiving it. We steep in it. We rest in it. We stay in this free gift of salvation that he's given us. It starts with, as I have loved you, and receiving that gift. But I think we can also look at how Jesus loved the people around him the ways that he interacted with the world, the ways that he interacted with his disciples. We can look at Jesus' example when Peter denied him three times and Jesus forgives him and continues to build his church on him. As an example of what it looks like to despite people denying us, betraying us, uh, uh, potentially even looking down on us, to actually continue to give them second chances, to continue to invest in them and come back and forgive seven times 70. As I have loved you. It looks like to the disciples arguing over who among them is the greatest. And Jesus, instead of chastising them or smacking them over the hand or anything like that, just simply, simply sharing with them that the first will be made last and the last will be made first. Of flipping their whole equation upside down and showing that it is those who serve who will be first in the kingdom. Of having that patience to walk alongside others, to spend that time with them, to be with them and process through their challenges and their struggles. It looks like us humbling ourselves before God, humbling ourselves before one another, coming to each other with love, and accepting and knowing that yes, people are gonna believe different things than us. We're gonna have different perceptions and different ways of seeing the world. We're gonna have different viewpoints and different stances. We're gonna have different upbringings. We're gonna raise our kids differently. We're gonna love our spouses differently. There's gonna be a lot of diversity, a lot of difference within our church. But what is the core of what the scriptures say? What is the baseline of our faith? What are the key values of the kingdom? And how can we adhere to those values, adhere to the core and the heart of our faith, and love one another radically, meeting people where they're at? Not just expecting to be people where they want them to be, but actually giving others the same grace that we give ourselves. To go back to doing dishes for a second, um, I will say, as much as I get frustrated with Emily loading the 
bowls the wrong way in the dishwasher, which she will vehemently deny that she does this, but she definitely does. Uh, as much as I get frustrated with that, it's not near as bad as when I was living uh, kind of in some off-campus housing with a few people uh, in school. And I, I'm gonna apologize because John, I know that you're probably tuning in online. You were one of my roommates then. Hey buddy, hope it's going well. Uh, you actually were pretty clean. You weren't too bad. So don't take this as directed as you. But man, that house was terribly messy. It was awful. The kitchen was disgusting. There was just pans like stacked up on top of each other with food grime in them. There was just like, like I felt like within six months, there was 10 euros of caked on splatter around the oven of like different greases and oils and all these different things. The fridge consistently had uh, a whole like farm of bacteria growing on like old tuna sandwiches and stuff. It was disgusting. It was so gross. And the fundamental problem was none of us actually trusted each other well enough uh, to, to, to want to do more than our fair share. We felt like, well, nobody else is cleaning enough, so I'm only gonna do my fair share. But the problem is we kept trying to, we didn't wanna ever go over doing our fair share, so none of us actually ever did our fair share. And so we were all below our fair share and then mad at everybody else for being below their fair share, and then the house just went into complete disarray. I think this is what we need to watch out for as we seek to live out unity, to be unified together as a community of believers. I think it's so easy for us to justify in our own heads, okay, yeah, like I know I left that pan out for a couple days, but like I was gonna be using it again for another meal, so it was fine, but like why does my roommate keep leaving their dirty dishes on the counter? Okay, yeah, yeah, I know that, all right, I, yeah, that tuna sandwich, it was mine, it did go bad in the fridge, but like, oh, why do they just keep leaving all of their uh, uh, fruit, fruit, and they buy all this fruit and they never actually use it, and it goes bad. We give ourselves so much more grace. We judge ourselves based on our intentions and we judge others based on their actions. And out of this place, we end up bitter and angry and not actually doing our fair share and incapable of properly loving others. And I really believe here today that if we wanna be unified, if we wanna reflect the love of Jesus in our community, we need to actually love boundarylessly. Don't worry about it. I'm not gonna get that word right. But we gotta actually be able to love each other above and beyond what we think is our fair share. Actually going the extra mile for people, understanding that, you know what? They might not be where we want them to be. They might not return the favor. We might not get anything back from those around us, but each of us committing to go the extra mile is gonna create the kind of community where we are judging each other. Uh, we're actually not even judging each other, but we're, but we're actually understanding our own brokenness, our own love that Jesus has given us, and loving radically one another out of that place. I wanna take a minute right now and if you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you're like, hey, this all sounds great, this community, it's messy, it's da da da. I feel pretty messed up. I feel like I don't even know if I could be a part of this community. Like, I've done some dark stuff. I've thought some dark thoughts. I've been in some bad places. I don't know if I would be accepted by Jesus. I wanna tell you right now that he loves you, he accepts you, and he desires a relationship with you. And so I wanna take an opportunity right now for you to enter into that relationship. Jesus died on a cross. He died a sinner's death, a death that we deserved. He took on the consequences of our bad actions. And then he rose from the grave three days later. And in doing so, he defeated death. He, he erased the consequences of our bad actions if we only accept and follow him. And he created a way for us to have eternal life with him. 
And so if you're here today and you're saying, hey, I believe that. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. I believe that I've made mistakes that have consequences and I want to accept the free gift of forgiveness, of being saved from what I've done then I wanna create an opportunity right now for you to just declare that, to make that decision to say, yes, I wanna follow Jesus. So I wanna, so wherever you are, if you're tuning in live, you can click, I raise my hand, that button coming in the chat. If you're tuning in on demand, maybe on your living room, your bedroom, your kitchen, your car, I don't know where you are watching this right now, but wherever you are, I just wanna give you a moment to make that decision in your heart. You can raise your hand to kind of signify it outwardly. That's what we do in our live services. You can write it down in a notebook. But right now, this moment, make that decision. I just want to pray for anyone who's made that decision here today. God, I thank you for those who have made a decision to follow you. I just pray that you would be with them as they live out this journey of faith, Lord God, that they would have great people come alongside them, support them, and encourage them, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen. And I wanna take a moment right now and pray for anybody else who's been hearing this message and just feels like you're holding on to some bitterness and some anger, some frustration. There's some sort of barrier roadblock in your mind to truly being able to sacrificially love others. That's okay, there's some of those barriers and roadblocks in my mind. And honestly, I think that we're probably not gonna get over all those barriers until eternity. But right now, I just want a moment where we can receive the love of God to know that we are deeply, deeply loved cherished by him and in this moment right now of receiving that love i believe that he is going to break some of those barriers and some of those boundaries and honestly transform us to be able to love others in a new way so why don't we pray god i just thank you that you are good that you are holy that you are loving lord jesus and i pray right now that we would just receive your love lord god we would just know how much you cherish us and care for us that we would just find peace and wholeness in your presence, Lord. God, I pray for every single person tuning in right now, that walls of bitterness and anger, past hurts and brokenness, Lord Jesus, would just be torn down in this moment, would be completely overwhelmed by the rush and flood of your love, Lord God, that we would just know the deep level of care and intentionality you have for us, and that you would transform our hearts. In your name. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.